those under 40, it's similar to the DAP, but at waist height. In Germany, it would appear that that's probably not a totally sensitive name to be bandying around. Elbow in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, obviously, it's nice yeah, to have If you've got a Subaru, it cleans out the Labrador smell. <laughs>
it's in a rather lovely colour. What's the name of the colour of your car? Oh, I can't remember stuff like that. It's kind of cobalty blue. No, I did know it. It's like an anthracite greeny. I think it's Krypton. Krypton blue. Krypton yeah. purple. So I don't know. It's, yeah. it's got metallic stuff in there. You can see it underneath the scratches if you look hard enough. <laughs> well, it has grown on me. It's quite a fun car. And we're yet to see James's car, thanks to COVID restrictions. Uh, it's probably going to remain that way. It's, uh, I still haven't actually looked underneath the chassis yet. So, um, probably well, safe, to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think. Uh, it's slightly saggy on one side. Okay. Oh, but, you're... you know, you don't notice what you say inside. You hit 30 and it just happens, doesn't it? I'm taking back to the fast show that says, selling a car is like making love to... Um, so, more importantly, Bert, yes. how is your... you sell a car <laughs> How is your car situation doing? Well, I've got four lovely, lovely cars. Any Where road, are they? Any roadworthy ones? or? Um, I ha- Well, um, so one is, it's out of MOT at the moment, but it so is... that's not roadworthy then? Well, it is because of the lockdown. We don't have to get an MOT. Mine conveniently ran out in April, um, and it's my 1,500 quid environmentalist Audi. So it's a 3.7 V8 petrol, uh, down from the other Audi that I've got, which is a 4.2 V8 petrol. That works, but that's also out of MOT because the brake lights don't work, and I've left it down in a shed in Hampshire. Um, it's already a 4.2 and all cylinders are working, so... It, it works, it works, just the, the lights don't work, they keep blowing bulbs, I need to fiddle it. What's the uh, Subaru situation? Subaru situation is, well, I've got, I've got to be careful because otherwise I'm going to start crying, but um, effectively there's Boris, the 300,000 mile outback that we went down to the bottom of Europe and back again in now two summers ago. Trigger's broom then, that one? Yeah, if you want to call it that. Um, and <laughs> It's the nicest name, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, that went in for a top-end rebuild 18 months ago, and is currently, it's also had an axle lift. I've done all sorts of anti-rust stuff, because most of it was rust, so it's got new subframes on. It's got new springs and shocks uh, down from Australia, and it's got a three-inch lift on it, and big off-road tyres, and lots of other really cool Butch Ray Mears stuff. However, it doesn't have the extra long braided brake lines that I've had specially built for it actually fitted, so currently it is also in a field not working and so ray mears isn't the butch one can i just say he's the geography teacher of the sort of outdoor survivalist world who's the one who got eaten? bear girls is the, the slightly butch one he no, can... he's short he's not butch who, who's the one who got eaten by a stingray steve Irwin. steve Irwin. i yeah. thought he was he didn't get butch. eaten by a stingray didn't he no They've got very flat mouths underneath them. I was always wondering about that when that first happened. (laughs) Australians. We like Australians. Because I thought manta rays were bigger, and even they can't eat a human. But anyway, I mean, moving on. Um, And and then we've got the uh, Uncrashable 2, who hasn't been crashed. Um, But it's hard to crash. Not by by you, anyway. Not by me. No, it did actually. Previous owners, definitely. Yes. Yes. The filler kind of gives that away. Yeah, it's 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 all killer, no filler, but with a bit of filler. And it is quite difficult to crash it whilst it's sat on a driveway telling knock knock jokes to itself. <laughs> Can't crash it if the brakes are seized. It's what happens when you take a stock two litre and put in almost double the power it came out of the factory with. So that's needing a new forged bottom end putting on it, and um, I don't have the money for that at the moment. So yeah, it's it's VOD is the only working car, the fifteen hundred quid three point seven eco mentalist Audi A eight D two, which did come from a scrapyard. It was. 10 minutes from being crushed because they thought the gearbox had gone and then uh, A8 Genius came along, reset the uh, codes and found out that actually it was absolutely fine and took the car away for tuppence and used it as a courtesy car, which is where I first met him. And um, I fell in love and, and, and then for 1,500 quid, I, I, I walked away with him. To be fair, I, I actually quite like Vod because it's the only Audi that burns more oil than my one. 
Uh, no, that only when new, as in when I got it, not new, when it was 20 years no, old. Only when you took possession of it, did it start going wrong and burning oil and becoming a money pit? I haven't put oil in that car for about six months. Because you haven't been driving it for three of those months. No. It doesn't really count. I haven't put oil in my car for the last three months because it's done approximately 20 miles to Asda and back. I've done a worrying amount of miles, so it, it gets used. My partner uses it. It's it's it, it, it does the weekly shop and it does the deliveries and stuff like that. So. Right. Anyway, we, we're getting into a my car burns less oil than your <laughs> car competition here. You're getting nervous a, over there. You know, the the out of my cars, only one of them uses a little bit of oil. Well, a couple of them, you have to pour oil into the diesel tank because it's a diesel and not like proper. Yes. But that's not the point. It says heavy oil on the V5C form, doesn't it? Yeah, and your Subaru say Fuji Heavy Industry on the. It also says, yeah, and to be fair, it does say rigid axle, and I'm like, mine's my, my, <laughs> not rigid. <laughs> may, it may have been at one point. <laughs> I haven't had a good rigid axle since 1997. Wow. Uh, um, so, should we move on from that um, before it goes downhill? And let's move on to the whole COVID debate because that is. The topic of the moment, and in our industry, there is an awful lot of misinformation going around. There's lots of different opinions, and that's perfectly fair, in my opinion. Everybody's entitled to an opinion, and just as much as they have to respect other people's opinions. But I remember when it first happened, everybody's like, "Oh, you can't work. If you work, you're murdering people." And then we had the whole, "If you don't work, you're Mother Teresa and saving people every day of the week." And then we had, "We're going to clean your car out of COVID by using steam." And we're going to guarantee there's no COVID in there. That, that's not a particularly strong line. And then we had, um, we're going back to work and we're perfectly entitled to, which legally I think we were. Legally, yeah. But whether morally, whether in the spirit of the law, whether uh, customers could bring cars to you, you might be entitled to go to work and be able to do that. And if you can socially distance, but are customers able to make a non-essential journey to get their car cleaned? So there was lots of anger and a lot of passion um, because we had a mixture of people who I think were genuinely scared of the COVID thing, which is absolutely fair enough. It's killed 36,000 people at least so far. So um, in this country alone. Um, and I know some people have got parents and uh, or vulnerable, you know, uh, spouses and stuff like that. I'll just point out that everybody has parents. Uh, no, I think you'll find that everybody had parents, but you know. Never mind. That's a, that's a little bit defeated. <laughs> Is there something you need to tell me? Do I need to go and phone home? I part X'd mine for a seat at Leon. Um, and, and which is totally fair enough but again it, it's easy to get blown out of proportion because on the flip side over the Atlantic we've got Mr Trump who's injecting himself with this that and the other thinking that he's, he's, he's catching malaria or Sunny something light. Yeah, <laughs> pretty I th- much I think we should uh, I think you'll find it's flaming Cheetos actually that's the tone <laughs> that he goes for but I think we, this should be a Trump free zone Okay. In yeah. fact, I think it should be a politics-free. I zone. think America should be a Trump-free. Zone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we should be politics-free because every, yeah. everybody, you know, opinions are like bomb holes. Everybody's got one. Somebody, some people have got two. Really? Who's got two bum holes? Well, the people that talk constantly. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Now that's that's logical. Interesting. Um, so. What we were thinking about is going through and just thinking about how one can effectively rid, 100% guarantee, rid a vehicle from COVID-19. And the answer is a very simple one. Fire! <laughs> yes, well, fire, that works. Burn it! How do you rid a vehicle of COVID-19 without damaging the vehicle? And I think the answer is... Well, you just park it up for three days. That's been the advice from day one. Right, Exactly. 
And do you need the help of a uh, of a valeter or detailing products to do that? From a magazine point of view, yes, of course you do. <laughs> of course you do. Um, no, I think you know we've 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 looked into this over and over again for the last six seven weeks, and I think the advice. It, the only surefire way to make sure the car is decontaminated is to park it up. There's no denying that. You know, you can go hell for leather cleaning it with all sorts of different products and sanitizers and disinfectants. But the reality is, if you just park it for three days first, you're just eliminating that risk. And that works for everybody who isn't using their car daily. That's the issue, I suppose. Is if you're uh, working as a volunteer or got essential work, et cetera, et cetera, and you've got people coming in and out of the car, your best bet is, I mean, what we've been saying at least is that you can reduce the presence and you know, by no means guarantee that you can get rid of it because you're just opening yourself up to all sorts of trouble and potentially killing somebody because if they say my car's free and then a vulnerable person sits in car gets corona, then it's not particularly marvellous. So um, the key is all in the terminology. And I think it's a good idea to be offering deep interior cleans and to help sanitise car to reduce the risk of uh, transferring the infection on and keeping that R number below the magic one. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the... the very early on, um, Ian and I were, well, Ian actually spotted it. We were looking into the fact that surfactants themselves are actually the key to all of this. So the advice to wash your hands regularly was a bit of an insight into the best process of approaching a vehicle. Um, I mean, you saw some crazy info, didn't you, right, really early on? Well, there was a lot of stuff going around early on, but none of it had any... Uh, any studies, any scientific backing to, to prove it. So why you could say one way or another that I think it was as Mark was one of the first came out with uh, with G one I went saying that this was going to kill kill COVID outright. Now that's a pretty bold claim, and the science is behind saying yes, you know, a surfactant will destroy this fatty lipid outer layer. Um, but none of these people have actually put coronavirus under a oh sorry, this particular coronavirus. There's something we need to. So we're quite early on as well, calling coronavirus, which is using it as the generic name for COVID-19. Yes. Um, but no one's actually put it under the microscope to say, yes, this has demonstrated it's killed it in all conditions on all surfaces. And what they have been doing is uh, a lot of them are tested against SARS, which is COVID-2. Um, and I think one, one thing is that, yes, the virus has proved very difficult for us to... to, to um, kind of take on so to speak as a country but as a uh, as a cell if you like or I mean a virus isn't quite a cell even it's 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 again you can't kill it because it's not alive but to actually destroy the the structure of a virus it's not bulletproof it's it's an enveloped uh, virus that can be killed with really quite straightforward different products be that surfactants be that 70% or so IPA and above um, or various other sort of really nasty disinfectant or nasty sound breeze not sunny day if you if the conditions are right and things pointing to the wind but guaranteeing it is a different thing from saying that it should it will work in all scenarios yeah yeah and the other issue as well is because the majority of the world has been in lockdown the labs that would usually test this stuff for, for sort of effectiveness are all closed so the companies that would normally file for a um, certification can't because or, or they're all busy doing the research yeah, and development. Yeah, way too busy. So it's, it's well, at, at the time when all of these uh, claims were being made, I looked on the the Dettol website, one of the biggest brands in the world, massive for uh, being able to remove viruses, bacteria, and even they were saying on the website, 
yes, it should work, but we can't guarantee it. Now, if these guys, if Dettol can't come out with guns blazing saying, we're going to kill the virus, how can anybody else? Yeah, and there's an awful lot of 99.9% being banded mm. around, which you can totally understand. I think that that's the main issue. It's not necessarily that we don't know there are products that can do the job. It's the fact that if you're commercially advertising, the fact that you will, that's the difference between can and will. Mm-hmm. You know, this can work or it could work and selling a service that will work. Suddenly there's a big... It's providing shift. false certainty to people. Yeah, there's a massive shift in liability there because you're offering a service that, even though it doesn't say this guarantees it will, it's almost a... Yeah, and well, the other thing is in a test tube where you can drench the virus, if I'm even using the right tones, um, with a particular chemical, you know, there's a better chance of it killing. If you've got virus molecules, or whatever you want to call them, um, embedded in a fabric, which is only being lightly dusted with something... Um, it's got much less actual physical content, contact with the disinfecting product, with the solvent, and uh, as a consequence, you know, it, it may work in a test tube, but it won't necessarily work in, in a car. Well, this is um, something that I looked into recently because there's a lot of uh, misappropriation of um, additives. So there are antibacterial or antiviral additives that are added to um, woven fabrics and things like that. Uh, we've seen a, a brand recently, I won't mention names, but they've, they're they advertising a an additive that they're adding into their interior cleaner um, that will get rid of the virus or it will break down the virus. The issue is the guarantee is on the additive in its basic form. Um, we had somebody comment on a pro detailer Instagram post recently um, from America, and he said that he uses uh, an American-branded... Um, cleaner or disinfectant and it's guaranteed to work yet again you go on their main website this is their own website Mm -hmm. and it says that when this product is added to other formulas or yeah they can no longer guarantee its effect yeah it's it's no longer guaranteed so they can only guarantee it as it is in the tin it's like the old um castrol gtx magnatech you know (laughs) it was polarized until you poured it into an engine and then it was earthed (laughs) <laughs> so when it was sold in the the bottle, the they tub, were being honest. It was truthful, yeah. 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 Um, there's no science to back that up on my account, but <laughs> that's like, I've heard stories. And pH, pH neutral uh, fallout removers said pH neutral until they yeah, until react. They meet iron, yeah, <laughs> and then they yeah. go to like pH eight or ten. <laughs> yeah, it's um, so it, it's it's really tricky at the moment. Mm. I think the key is for. Well, from a professional point of view, it's to protect yourself and to protect the public and be honest and be non-committal. And I, I think it is fair to say that you're going to bring benefit by doing a deep clean of an interior, and that will help. But that is about... It won't smell nearly as bad for a start, so it's always good. Yeah. Yeah, well, obviously, it's nice if, having... If you've got a Subaru, it cleans out the Labrador smell. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was, like, impregnated at the factory in Subarus, especially yeah, the wagons. Subaru new car smell is, is, is dead. They, they, yeah. come, they come with a pair of loafers and a Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, every time I'm driving along in, in the Legacy, Outback particularly, and I see another one coming, I'm ready to wave because Subaru people wave at each other because we're nice people. And it's normally a grumpy, later middle-aged, rather large sort of... Um, lady with, with, with dogs in the back. It's not so much waving as flagging you down at the side of the road to see if you've got enough battery to call the RAC out. <laughs> um, when was the last time the Pro Detailer team was recovered by a, an emergency service? Was it 
Who was driving on that occasion? I, 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 that's it. That's why I remember. I was driving. You were driving a car. Your car. Broke, yeah, you, were, you broke my car, basically. The <laughs> car had been perfectly fine, hadn't skipped a beat since I bought it. You drove it for 45 minutes and it died. And Yeah, no, it's totally my fault that the auxiliary belt came off and, and, and then that stopped the alternator and the power steering and all sorts of other bits of stuff. Fine when I stopped driving. <laughs> Just to point out that my vehicles have a 100% track record for all pro detailer activity so far. We, is, we haven't been on a track. <laughs> we have done a couple of We have actually. We have. We did the uh, we did the Nordschleifer in uh, so, in so, Fritz. And what, what happened? Did did the car break? It. Well, oh, oh yeah, it did, didn't it? It broke. Well, I wouldn't say it well, broke. No, so it broke the second. There was a second time on that trip. It broke, wasn't it? Because how, how much did you have to spend on brake discs when we arrived in Germany? Sixteen hundred pounds. Oh, euros, 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 sorry, euros. So, well, I mean, we, that's sixteen hundred pounds now. Well, week. to give you an insight, we we set off in Fritz at about two in the morning. I just got back from the Silly Isles at eleven o'clock the night before. We set off to pick Ram up of Colourlock in London, and I got us to the Channel Tunnel. At which point, having been on the road for God knows how long, I just fell unconscious in the back seat. Um. And, that's and then, that, at that point, me and Ian yeah. took the uh, took the jump seat and the driver's seat, and I had to listen to Christa Berg on repeat for seven hours. It wasn't on repeat. There were six CDs in there that it just, just happened like it was on to repeat. all be Christa Berg, so it did sound a bit samey, perhaps. But yeah, and then by the time I woke up, I woke up more or less cuddling Ram, which was was awkward. Um, for who? <laughs> for both of us, I think. <laughs> um, you said something like, "I can't breathe," and. Um, then it turned out that you'd already V-Max the car and walked my brake discs, which were fine when I was in England, but in France they suddenly went all wibbly-wobbly. Um, and... I think James is the only person I've ever seen who's got white thing from holding onto a steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, it's got an RS6 brake conversion, so the two-piece brake discs are terribly expensive. And we turned up at an official Audi dealership in, what was the name of that town? Gottingen. 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 Literally, it turns out the idea that every German speaks English is, is not true because basically three of us turned up waving GoPros around shouting Fritz ist kaputt. And of course, Fritz is what I call the car because it's my big black German. Um, however, in Germany, it would appear that that's probably not a totally sensitive name to be banding around. And the staff look terrified as we <laughs> three crazy English people wander in shouting Fritz ist kaputt. And um, anyway, they identified what I told them was the problem after they'd done a, a thing and saying that it needs uh, new discs and they wanted new pads and they wanted 2,700 euros for pads, discs and something else that they'd found was wrong with it. I bravely bartered that down to... 1600 euros and to be fixed that day uh, or the following day which they did so sorry there was more wrong with it than just the brake discs what else did they want to replace the pads yes and there was something else oh i remember because they put the old pads back in yes because i asked them to them saying they... it was against law tuv <laughs> yeah You're like, it's fine we're from england we don't worry about such details put the old pads back in that's pretty much it's what like i the temporary said passport it's okay as long as you're driving home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they did say it's against german law and i said well that's all right we're british and there was not one laugh in the house um so they they duly did it and then we we, we spent a couple of other days trotting around europe but we ended up on the norskliff and i've never driven the norskliff and i was a bit nervous to drive norskliffer already and um so james took the wheel james has done many many laps in various different cars on on the norschleifer and um and was this the highlight of your experience james um, is it in general on the norschleifer have you have you had anything better than, than fritz yes um 
He's given me puppy dog. Shall, eyes. shall we just, move, shall we just move on from that question? Uh, it I, it was probably one of the most enjoyable laps I've done because it was. It was, well, it was watching Bert cry as you well, uh, crossed the finish line. There was Bert and I, and then we had uh, Petri from Apex as well in yeah. the car, um, and his girlfriend at the time, Annie. Who has very kindly sent us some, uh, some ceramic brakes. Yes. Yes. So we're going to do some testing on those. So thank yeah. you for those. And a boot full of camera kit as well. We were fully loaded. I'm coming up with the, with the excuses here. And no, there's no excuses. I mean, you know, it's it's a big old bus. There were four of us in it. We had yellow flags out. We did have way, yellow flags. It was flags. still really good fun. It was good fun. And I think it was about 130 miles an hour that you put a foot on the clutch and there was a bang and then there was no clutch. There was some clutch. There was some clutch. Not enough. <laughs> Not enough clutch to actually, you know, change gear. Um, and we did we did overtake a race prepared uh, hot hatch of some description, but it had stopped, so it was easier to overtake <laughs> than we thought. Um, and I can't remember the time; it was about twelve minutes, wasn't it? In the end, yeah, it was something like that. So, but like I said, we, there, there was an accident on circuit, so we did have to slow down. For yeah, we did yellow flags. We had to slow down for at least three minutes. Yeah, exactly. It would at have been a minutes. nine minute time. And and to be honest, if, if the clutch had held out and and we had and the tires. And the, the brakes were all right because they had the new discs on by then. You don't remember how hot they were when we got back and how much they smelt. Well, I felt the alloy wheels looked good in red. <laughs> um, it was that kind of luminescent. Um, so, yeah, that was our, our Nürburgring experience. But I, I think Fritz performed admirably in, in the situation. And then bear in mind that we hopped him in and then drove. Where did we drive after that? We went up to the Netherlands, didn't we? We ended yeah, up. St. Justina, didn't you, after that? We did. Yeah, so the following day we, we were. Oh, no, in, we went to Amsterdam, didn't we? Yeah, we stayed, in, we stayed just oh, south of Amsterdam. Yeah, so we, we went. To the, yeah. Car wash show in Amsterdam, which was at which yeah. point I'd, I'd I'd already hopped on a flight back from Frankfurt. Yeah, yeah. Ian had decided that uh, twelve and a half hours in Fritz was far more than he was prepared to do. After it nearly ate my passport. Yeah, well, I thought that was a ploy. Uh, so we're, we're coming back from uh, the show, wasn't it? It was from the it was from uh, Decon Decon show, and we were taking you back to Frankfurt Airport, and then suddenly you started making strange squeaky noises in the back of my car, and I'm like, oh, not this again. And um, it turned out that your passport, we thought you'd left it at the hotel, we stopped at well, services. I, I was 99% sure that I had it in my pocket, and every sort of minute or so that dropped a percentage until we were about 80, so we had to pull over <laughs> at the petrol station and try and find it and eventually I think James went up to his elbow in the back seat <laughs> put on my surgical surgical sleeve proper PPE was worn and necessary given what I keep in the back of my car fished out along with a couple of blowpipes and some tin foil or some reason <laughs> the from the, uh... a set of micro scales and a... <laughs> from previous owners I have you know um, so yes that was that was an exciting time we, uh, how do we get into this topic anyway? So we did. We're just, we're just saying we did complete, cars are worse than mine. In, in, <laughs> in theory, my own personally owned vehicles have a hundred percent proven record of getting us there and back with no hiccups so far. Yes, that is true. And to be fair, Betty, last the last time we did the Euro Tour, Betty got us there and back, and it was a bit smoky because of the water injection system. You'll know about this. It's just like the BMW uh, M3 competition when they put water injection. Betty, the Subaru Legacy 2.5i naturally aspirated car is it not called a head gasket breach that is another word for it but i like to call it water injection because okay. effectively it's putting water into the combustion chamber which creates white smoke so, so you're you're two for two on head gaskets and you're one for one on bottom ends uh yeah, yeah. not that much maths there's only three cars there's <laughs> three cars only one bottom end's gone and and in fairness boris's compression was also after 300,000 miles and a lot of valve wear and stuff like that. So he's had totally, the head's been skimmed and three-way ported and all the rest of it because obviously it's all about power. Yeah. Yep. Whenever I think of Boris's compression, I just think of when it finally goes to the scrapyard and they crush the bloody thing. That's a very cool and unkind gonna, thing to say. Happen. 
and I don't have much appreciate that. Ian? Do you want a tissue? <laughs> <He's not>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll he's always not, talk about not, Boris. He's not crying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the sort of podcasting for you. <laughs> so anyway, let's get back on topic. Let's back on topic. Um, what what topic do we want to go back to? Do we do we need to go back on to, to COVID, or if we will had enough talking about COVID? Well, oh, God, yes, <laughs> three well, things worth. That's that's the. Uh, let, There's let's, lots of topics we can talk about in relation to COVID, but let's not. I think we saturate. Can, we yeah. can probably spread them over about ten podcasts. Um, <laughs> we've just lost the last listener, and it was my mum. Um, I didn't say which ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a roulette. <laughs> So one thing I think we should do on each and every podcast is something quick and product related. So, you know, what are people's favorite products, favorite new product or most underrated product? So uh, I'm just looking at my colleagues to see if somebody's had a thought. So at the moment, we've got blank look. So I'm going to go Best, out there. Go on, go on. Best one I've seen in the lot, well, since January is still going to be when we went up to Labo and I'm still blown away by Veritas. Veritas, which was, uh, the, Veritas is... This is their panel wipe. It's mm-hmm. a bit of a rescue aid and it's... What blew me away about it was how how much time it gave you to correct any high spots you find after putting on ceramic coating. I think there was a bit of ceramic left on the test panel that had probably been on there for a couple of days. And the whole point behind Veritas is it will take off the excess but not remove the actual ceramic coating, the bonded layer, as it were. Yeah. No, so. Well, it's a pretty unique product as well. The only thing I can think of is the optimizer from Nanolex. It's the only thing that kind of comes mm-hmm. close to it yeah. in terms of... Um, feature, but apart from that, I can't think of any other products. You know, I've got to be careful before I call anything unique if it's not unique. But I can't think of anything else. Well, that it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, a trick that you've you, you've had for quite a long time with ceramics, using effectively the carrier solvent from a ceramic to remove excess high spots. Um, but a product that does it standalone and doesn't damage the bonded layer, mm-hmm. it's not something we've actually knowingly found, tried, used before. So. Yeah, I mean, in in theory, the way like Nanolex optimizer works, in theory, it could do the same thing. Um, but that's I don't think they market it that way. I think they market it as a an application aid yeah. for it. Um, but for me, the, the the product that impressed me the most recently, um, when we were at the car wash show in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Um, just a quick mention: Did you even know you could get business clogs? <laughs> no, I did not. It was amazing, wasn't it? Gloss black wooden clogs for business use. One with a suit. You just like, put red into the black there, and then my sex clogs. <laughs> um, but we uh, bumped into Nassiol when we were at yes. that show, and we had a really nice chat with them. A really interesting brand, actually. And where are they from? They're from so they're Turkey. a Turkish brand, but their production, I think, is moving to or they're opening a production site in the Czech Republic. Yes. Um, but Ian and I had a chance to use their top, top ceramic coating. The name of which completely escapes me now because it's uh, lesser and, one, and three numbers, I think, isn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah I, I, I think it's an R number, even, but we're, we're getting off of R numbers. Kind of like R2D2, but yeah, not. Yeah, I couldn't even, couldn't even begin to guess at the moment. Um, Ian's going to Google it. But we put it on a Volvo Cross Country, something like that. Um, and it was astounding um application was finicky i mm-hmm. will say that it was finicky 
But within about 30 minutes, the gloss levels were off the chart, more than anything we'd ever seen from our coating. And slickness as well was just crazy. Yeah, it was insane. Absolutely insane. Um, so definitely one to watch out mm. for. Um, I think supply in the UK is going to be tricky. but There, it's, there is an importer, I thought, for Nassiel already somewhere. Yeah, who was it? I can't remember. Uh, name escapes. I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to throw names out randomly. But yeah, we, we can we can have a look and and and, and post in comments or something uh, like that underneath. But, the, but yeah, that that was very impressive. And attached to that, their wet wipes for the windscreen. Yes. Um, which I think they're going to be featured in this mag, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember um, when you put that on your car. You're in a good mood for about three days, which I've never seen anything. Well, do. it's still on now. I mean, I. I the, so to give you a bit of an insight, that it comes in a little box. You get three wet wipes. One's a cleaner. Um, and then two are applicators that are impregnated with the with the sealant, mm-hmm. and it's a hydrophobic glass coating, um, and it's enough to do a windscreen. But if you do it quickly, the process doesn't kind of allow you to do more than one window. But if you had two packs, sure, mm-hmm. it would. Probably um, <laughs> on the street for my homies. Um, it was incredible. I mean, you literally you clean the windscreen with one wipe. You applied the second wet wipe to half the windscreen, spread it all over. And kept buffing until it vanished, mm-hmm. and then they used the other applicator to do the other side of the windscreen. Same again, apply it wet and keep going until it dries and you buff it off. And it is rock solid. I mean, it's when was when did we apply that? Not that was going to have been February. Yeah, February or March, I'd say. It could have been earlier than that. Yeah, but either way, I mean, it, it, so far it's done three months, definitely. Um, I use a lot of screen wash at the moment because driving. Around, not not the moment, but usually around Cheshire and Gloucestershire. You're a regular squirter, I've noticed, I as a passenger. I am a regular squirter. Yes. Um, yeah, insects are horrendous. And the sea at Leon is about as aerodynamic as a brick. So, oh, I don't um, know. And it's it's mega. So for me, the Nassiel, they call clear wipes. I, I've just found the, the name of the, the ceramic we're using just for, if you're looking for it, NL272. Um, glass shield is the... Uh, are they the wipes? Because they do yeah, the coating on its own as well. So, yeah, it's Glass Shield Wipes, I think they're called. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so for me, the two Nassiel products were definitely one to investigate. Well, with it, while uh, these guys were using top-end ceramic coatings, these guys are very experienced with those. I'm, I'm much more of an amateur. Um, and my product that I was really excited by fairly recently was the Meguiar's All-Wheel Cleaner, uh, which is a wheel cleaner and a bleeding fallout remover. So it is, it's It's generally got the two elements in rather than just being a fallout remover or just a wheel cleaner. Bleeding fallout removers. <laughs> bleeding fallout removers. Come round here. Tightening off the FE3. Essex making an appearance. Yes. and read it by the minute. I have to admit, I was really impressed. It really doesn't smell too bad at all. You can tell it's an iron remover if you taste it, but try not to taste it. It gave me a hell of a headache. And That would be very hard with the PPE that you were wearing anyway, wouldn't it? No, I took the mask off to actually sip it. Oh right, okay. Um, She's a straw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you can cut your uh, cut your mask in the middle like that one in America. Yeah. You can just open it. Better flow rate. Well, <laughs> oh, they make it too difficult to breathe, so I cut a hole in it. That's a good idea. <laughs> Do a photo of somebody who made their own uh, COVID mask with a pair of jeans at the fly, so they can just open the zip and have a, have a drink. Sounds like a gimp mask, Ian. Um, well, yeah. Different size. So with that, it's, it's a simple matter of just spraying on all four wheels, just go around them one by one, and then come back and agitate with a brush, and then rinse off. And I was just really impressed as a sort of a one-hit wonder um, in, on when it comes to cleaning wheels. I was really impressed with that. I tried it on Boris's wheels, which are old school, 
um, and pretty pitted and nasty anyway, but they made them look much, much better. Another brand which we sort of uh, stumbled upon. I say stumbled upon. I knew the guys uh, from previous ventures, um, but we bumped into them at Wax Dog, didn't we? We met Visitor. Originally, yep. Um, and it's a bit of a tricky one because we want it to be a, a retail brand. We want everybody to get their hands on it, but it is very much geared towards the professional user, isn't it? The whole range, really. It certainly, I mean, it starts with the, the pads and the compounds, which is going to be the kind of the more advanced side of any product. And I think maintenance products are coming in, aren't they? And I, th- I think the, there was definitely mention of it later in uh, sort of beginning of this year. So I think they are on their way or they are already in some places. Um, but yeah. as far as the as far as the polishes and pads go, they are something else, aren't they? From what we've seen. No, I do. I'm a big fan of the, um, is it the Dooley pad, the, the, the wool one for the, for the DAs. That the purpley yeah, blue the purple, one. I'm sure they called it Dooley or something. Oh, maybe. But yeah, it's, so basically it's a, uh, it's, is it 100%, is it 100% wool or is it a synthetic wool mix? I haven't been in a detailing unit for the last two and a half months, so I can't. Uh, I think it might be a synthetic mix, um, but it's foam backed, so it's similar to the. Ooh, what were they called? They were the uh, men's. Uh, no, Shoal Soft Touch wool pads, weren't they? They were the first ones I saw, which were the white wool pads that had the orange foam back. Mm-hmm. So very similar to those. Well, similar to the microfiber pads you get. Yeah, yeah. So it's got the you've got the foam back in, and then you've got the the wool on top. I mean, with Visa, what's impresses me is, is the real um, expertise, particularly in the pad construction and the knowledge. I mean, the background story we won't go into now, but there's long, long experience in detailing and paint correction, and that shows through in the pads. And I think there's a, it, it's a genuine kind of new entry to the market, if you see what I mean, rather than just a, a new brand. It's and their new... affordability for the pads as well. Yes, they're really Ridiculously good. affordable. And there is a new line coming out, apparently, at some point. Yeah, so... ZZ or something. Um, yeah, sure, we'll get a bit more news on that in the next couple of I mean, every, every girl loves a sharp-dressed man. Probably all my ZZ Top impressions involve sort of hand gestures and movements, which don't really work on the podcast. Yeah, ZZ Top's a bit... Bit after my time, really. Um, for those under forty, it's similar to the dab, but at waist height. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and for the, for those over thirty, what's a dab? <laughs> <laughs> well, at the very beginning, one thing I think we probably ought to touch on is uh, we mentioned how we met Visit because I, I went over and talked to uh, the lovely late Zoltan on stand. But um, is it Waxstock this year? Sadly, has been postponed mm-hmm. until the eighteenth of July, twenty twenty one, and I totally understand it's due to COVID. Um, out of their hands, frankly. Out of their hands, exactly. And um, if anything, it gives more time to prepare for the next one. And I think, if anything, I think the 2021 show has the opportunity to be a bit different because they've had two years to prep for it rather than one. Yeah, I think it's going to be, well, I don't know. It should be, but I think they're going to make a a, a big thing of it. I mean, mm. it, you know. it could have the Glastonbury effect. This is its uh, furlough year, the Farrow year. Was it? Fallow. 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 Farrow, the only farrow in the ball. house here. It's I the fallow year. They're, they're letting the Coventry uh, fields recover for a year. And, <laughs> and then uh, they'll, they'll back next year. to continue the analogy, they'll drill it hard next year. I was going to do something about Beyonce, but yeah, sure. You... That was a farming reference. No, the mine was ah. also. Yeah. Well, don't get me started on Power Harrows. First podcast, and Bertie's on to farming. <laughs> farming and Subarus, just my sort of thing. Um, farming Subaru. <laughs> Leave we just the plow them into the field. In the next podcast, we'll have a new host. <laughs> 
Um, get on the country file pods. And I'm just going to do a, a, a little shout out. We have many tickets for Wax Talk, and we'll be making them available to our listeners and readers uh, in due course. So there uh, are keep an ear out. Possibly some European events going ahead, though. Um, we it's the smaller ones, isn't it? Yeah. So we, as a lot of guys know from reading the last magazine, we went out to Decon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moritz and Nico. They well, Auto Lecaffen, the paint monkeys. Yeah, the paint monkeys or detailing monkeys. Detailing monkeys. Um, it is paint monkeys, isn't it? Lack. I, I, it is paint is, monkeys. I think in German, lack means lacquer, paint, top coat, surface, everything. Well, polish. yeah. Well, it's polytone, isn't it? <laughs> yes. There, there's probably an 18 syllable long German word for it because they just <laughs> chuck all the words together to make one long word. Because or we can just call it lack. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we we have kept in touch with those guys. Um, they no. have um, basically said that at the moment, uh, Decon is still going ahead. The date has been pushed back to September, um, and it's because in Germany they've put a limit on events. A thousand people. Yeah. So in the UK we have zero. Uh, all events have been cancelled so far, unless they're all within your own household. So yeah, some, some gypsy families may do well. Yeah, with one other person, if you're outside. Um, but in Germany, because seemingly they can follow some sort of uh, order, they can yeah, well, I mean, wear masks in, everywhere. In, in, in scale as well, is that last year, um, Decon was about, we reckon, 300 people or so came through the doors. I think, I think it, was it was 350 to 400 in the end, wasn't it? Because they had a few people uh, sort of sign up for tickets the night before. So yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I and think it, they had to keep it under 500. I think that was the limit. Um but they, it's going up to a thousand. Because they're, they're a thousand. getting extra hall as well, aren't they? They get in the hall with that. Um, yeah, with a private the private collection. Single headlight mm. called. The single so, headlight. Yeah, the single headlight DS. Uh, well, a DS nineteen. But the nineteen? I can't. Yeah, I think so. I just remember the Kawasaki GPZ turbo. The turbo bike, yes. That's the only awesome. thing that stood out from that collection. <laughs> Mainly because there were so few BMWs, which was incredibly offensive. And but weirdly, there were things like a Rover One Hundred and a and a Bogo Ford well, Fiesta the, Mark Three. There was the A Two chassis suspended, the all aluminium A Two chassis. Do you know another Audi with an all aluminium space frame? That's as interesting as that. No, I don't. <laughs> I really uh, don't. The Audi A Four. No. DTM car. Well, yes, DTM car, but that was a bit different. I think you'll find that the Audi D2 had the Audi space frame, the D2 A8. Um, but anyway, uh, shut up. Uh, the other thing is there was a show in France, and they said that they, I think they did go ahead. It was just before lockdown, and they said that they were able to just squeeze under the 3,000 limit that they had on the venue. But I'm yet to see any photos. Just, just get that uh, transmission rate up a little bit more just before. <laughs> yeah, just give it a running running start. <laughs> Um, By the way, Ian is allowed to make French jokes because he's effectively French now. Yeah, well, I'm multi, multi-race, so I can't be racist because I'm, I'm part Irish, part English, part Norwegian, and a little bit Welsh. So. And I can't be racist because I hate everybody the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we are. We all well, pop me in because you're 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 mixed race as well. So we, we're pretty safe. Yeah, I'm like that. a can of beans. Hey, I, 57 blend. I'll tell you what. I actually spent some time in front of the computer on ancestry. Going through my family history, turns out most of my family are either from Leicestershire uh, or Ireland. Do and you then they stand, went out to Pennsylvania. Do you stand <laughs> to inherit Sealy power tools if something goes wrong? That's all I want. That's, yes, that's the only reason like we... five. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the evidence that I base my friendship on, but you know. Yeah, we, we were under the assumption that we'd have a never-ending supply of LED stand lights and 75-kilogram machine polishes. <laughs> 
If you go to uh, sealyjacking.com, <laughs> it, it's not carjacks. <laughs> what is it? Moving on. <laughs> so, um, on, on that note, I suspect we, we draw things to a close. And, uh, well, thank you very much for listening, if indeed you did listen. We're probably just talking to ourselves at this point. And uh, we will, I'm sure, put another broadcast out in the not-too-far-distant future. Thank you very much. <laughs>